seated tonight. Good to see you here for Wednesday night prayer meeting. And uh, I want you to know it does my heart good to see you here. And uh, what a blessing it is when I go and I see folks that are sick, uh, folks that have burdens, folks that have needs in our church, and be able to tell them confidently uh, that their church is praying for them. And I know sometimes Wednesday night might become uh, a little bit mechanical for us. I know we're tired. You've been out in the world working. Uh, it's summertime, and maybe you don't feel like being here on Wednesday night, and I understand that fully. And maybe we underestimate the power of prayer sometimes, but I assure you there are people on the other end of our prayers that appreciate you being here tonight uh, and praying for them, folks that have uh, physical needs, uh, folks that have burdens of the heart. I know it means a lot to people to know uh, that their church is praying for them. So I want to encourage you to keep up uh, the great work you have in prayer uh, as we go encourage those that uh, desperately need it tonight. Let's go ahead and jump in if we could. I don't want to keep you late. Uh, I want to jump into it. I really don't want to keep you late, and I don't want to sit here and talk uh, too terribly long without getting into the message. So if we could, Lamentations chapter number two. We're going to go back to our series on lessons and lamentations and jump right in. Now we're going to look at one verse tonight. Lamentations chapter 2, we've been going verse by verse. We skipped a few the other night who the theme was very uh, repetitive of some themes we've already covered. And if we don't get uh, a move on, we're not going to finish in 2021. And so tonight I want you to look down to Lamentations chapter number 2, verse number 14. And we're going to jump right in that if we could. The Bible says, Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity. To turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. I'm going to read that one more time. There's several sections I want us to see tonight. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away thy captivity but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. Let's pray together. Let's ask God to help us understand uh, the message he sent tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back in church tonight, uh, to be back in the pulpit tonight. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of opening your word, and I look forward, Father, to hearing from you tonight. I pray our hearts are right. And Lord, right now, I pray if there's something between you and us, some sin, unconfessed sin, uh, bitterness, help us, Lord, confess it and forsake it even now that, Lord, our prayer would not be hindered as we ask you to speak to us. And I pray, Father, you would move amongst your word and your people tonight, and I pray we'd leave here, Lord, forever and eternally changed by receiving, Lord, your will through your word. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Boy, verse number 14 is chocked full. Uh, when I got home from Baton Rouge, we were down there on Sunday night uh, at a, a tribute service uh, for, uh, for one of my mentors growing up. James Peters went home to be with the Lord and got to be a part of uh, his tribute service. His funeral has taken place already, but uh, they were dedicating the uh, opening night of Smite to him and got to go down there for that. But I began studying through Lamentations again, praying about what God would have us to preach on tonight. Got down to verse number 14 in my soul. It is chock full. And there's something I believe we need to see here tonight that really gets to the heart of the need of what the people were experiencing here in the book of Lamentations. Now, if you recall on Sunday morning, we were talking about how God desires to fix ourself, not just our circumstances. Oftentimes, we want God to fix what's wrong in our life, uh, but we're not really ready and available for God to fix us. And usually, what's wrong in our life is us, right? We are the problem of most of what's wrong in our life. We like to blame it on other people, uh, like Adam did in the garden. I think we inherited that deflection to where we like to blame 
blame other people. But truthfully, we need God to fix us, and God wants to fix the source of our problem, not just the symptoms of our problem. So what is going on in here in Lamentations? If we had to boil it down, why are they going through this calamity, this grief, and this heartache, this judgment from God? Uh, We could easily say sin. Well, obviously, that's an easy one, right? We understand that sin has brought this about, specifically idolatry and immorality. But verse number 14 has three words that I think are going to help us all tonight if we'll notice them. Now, notice what the Bible says. Thy prophets have what? The Bible says, seen vain and foolish things. Remember that word, seen. In the middle of the verse, it says, they have not discovered Thine iniquity, that word discovered is very important. And then toward the end of verse number 14, once again, we see it says, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. Now the word seen, the word discovered, and the word seen, they're all words that relate to vision. That word discovered simply means observed. So we see the word seen, the word observed, and the word seen mentioned all in one verse. And so we see at the root of their problem, it has something to do with their vision. Their vision was off. The Bible says they have seen vain and foolish things. The end of the verse says, seen false burdens and causes of banishment. And I'll tell you tonight, how you see things has a direct result on the things you do, the person you are, and the places you go. We call that perspective. And your perspective on life and your perspective on who you should be and how you should live is directly going to affect the person that you become. And we see in verse number 14, their perspective was off. They were seeing wrong, observing wrong, and seeing, the Bible says, false things. Matter of fact, look across the page, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 51. Look what the Bible says. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. What does it mean? It means what I see has an effect on me. My perspective affects me. I remember years ago, I had no desire to go to Africa. I know two of our young ladies have been going to Africa uh, here in just a few weeks, right, Uh, on mission trips. I had no desire to go to Africa. Uh, I was happy in the United States of America, uh, but the Lord led me to go on a mission trip over to Africa. Uh, I had no desire to go there. I did not want to be there. Uh, To be honest with you, uh, I probably did not sympathize with the people enough. And then our plane landed in Entebbe. We got on a little Jeep, and we drove through the bush, I mean, hours and hours. We got to our little mud hut. The next morning, we get up. We go to this orphanage of children, and these children have lost limbs because of landmines. Uh, 50% of the kids in that orphanage either were uh, because of landmines or their parents had died of AIDS. And as I walked through that orphanage, my heart was gripped. And I'll be honest with you, there was a part of me that wanted to stay, Why? My perspective changed. The way I saw things had changed, and now my heart had been affected by what? My heart was affected by mine eye. You see, my perspective changed by the way that I had saw things. I was seeing things from America, and I had no desire to go there. But then when I got there and I saw things differently, it changed the way that I thought. Do you know that the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk, the way we raise our children is a direct result of the perspective that we have on life and the way that we see things? Give me a prime example. Someone said this once. It was not me. Uh, I wish I had come up with it, but somebody smarter than me did. It says, when Goliath came against the Israelites, the majority of the army that was there, all the army was there, looked at Goliath and they said, hey, he's too big to bring down. That was their perspective. 
And yet David comes up and sees Goliath differently. David says, he's too big to miss. And so David killed Goliath with a stone. Why? All because of their perspective. The soldiers looked at him as too big to bring down. David looked at him as too big to miss. And watch this. One of them had victory. Why? Because of his perspective. The others sat over in the corner cowering, afraid. Why? Because they had the wrong perspective. Now, folks, what's happening here to the people of God, the calamity, the heartache, and the struggles they're going through is a direct result of the perspective they had. And verse 14 shows us three areas their perspective was wrong. Can I tell you tonight, your earthly outcome and your eternal outcome is going to have a direct result on what your perspective is. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, to set our affections on things above. Do you know what that verse is all about? Perspective. If your perspective, watch this, if you're looking and your eyes are focused in only on this life, you're going to invest your time, your efforts, your energy to having everything this life wants to offer. If your perspective is down here. But Colossians 3 reminds us, watch, to set our affections or our cares or our loves or our attention on things above. What is God trying to do? God is trying to set our affections or perspective on things above. Why? Because if your perspective is set on things above, you'll live differently here below. How often in Ecclesiastes do we read about Solomon saying, under the sun, under the sun? After it was all said and done, Solomon says, look, investing in this life, it's vanity. Don't get your perspective under the sun. The whole point of that book is to get our affection, fear God and keep his commandments, to refocus our perspective. And if our perspective is on fearing God and keeping his commandments, you'll live differently here. Do you know why we clamor for the newest this and the newest that? To dress like them and to dress like that. It's because our perspective's here. It comes out in your life. Look, you had no doubt what David's perspective was. Why? Because you saw it lived out when he killed Goliath. You had no doubt what those other guys' perspective was because they were scared to death. Now, folks, look, just like them, how we live, who we live for, how we raise our children, build our homes, it's all a reflection of the perspective that we have in our life. Now, God's people are suffering. We have read that in chapter 1. We've read it in chapter 2. They are suffering. Do you know why? Because their perspective is off. Fast forward to 2021. Do you know why so many of us are suffering? Do you know why our homes are suffering? Our nation is suffering? Our churches are suffering? Now, I thank God for blessing our church. I've talked to a lot of pastors this week, and boy, they are, they are not as blessed as we are. They're struggling. They're having a hard time. But oftentimes, can I tell you what our struggles are in our families and our home? Our struggles are because our perspective's off. Our affections are not set where they need to be set. Now, too many of us are saved and we're struggling for the same reason. Our perspective's off. And I believe tonight the Word of God shows us in verse number 14 how we can get our perspective back where it needs to be. Why? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Do you know what those false prophets are? They're false influences. There's so many things in this life that try to pull and tug and push to change your perspective. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to have anything when you get there, if you get there. He wants your perspective to be locked in down here. And so the Bible says, look, you've got to try the spirits. 
You've got to make sure that what's pushing and pulling and tugging on your heart is not moving your perspective down here on things below, but make sure you keep it on things above. Now, the Word of God shows in verse 14 how we can know if our perspective is being polluted. There's three warning signs in verse number 14. Let's look at them together tonight. We're going to look at the lesson on losing perspective. Verse 14 shows us how they lost their perspective, and I think it'll be a wonderful, wonderful warning for us tonight. Notice what it says, verse 14. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee. Now, the key, there's some words I want you to see in that particular part of this verse. It's the word thy and the words at the end, for thee. Now understand, this is not talking about God's prophets. Jeremiah was preaching the word faithfully. Jeremiah was preaching the truth faithfully. But the people, watch this, had surrounded themselves with false prophets, the Bible says, who saw vain and foolish things for them. They had surrounded themselves with preachers who said exactly what they wanted to hear. Notice it says vain and foolish things. Notice who they were working for, for thee. They're saying what you want to hear. Rather than hear Jeremiah's perspective that was from God, that, hey, destruction and judgment's coming, they says, we don't like to hear that. Hey, don't be such a downer. I mean, hey, why don't you talk about something positive that makes us feel good? Why don't we get to live our best life now, right? They says, we don't want to hear you. We want to hear our, thy prophets, which have seen vain and foolish things for thee. Now watch this. Instead of listening to the truth that was preached from God's prophet, they surrounded themselves with their own prophets who said exactly what they wanted to hear. Number one tonight, the first way that you can tell that you've adopted the wrong perspective is this, when our desires are replaced for discernment. When desire replaces discernment. See, what do you mean by that? Well, rather than take discernment from the word and the preaching of the word of God, we get our direction based on what we desire and what benefits us. This is exactly what they're doing there. Rather than hear what thus saith the Lord, they wanted to hear what thus saith makes me comfortable. Now, folks, we need to hear this tonight because I'll tell you why. All of us are tempted to be led by our desires rather than by God's discernment. All of us have desires. You know, even when my wife says, I ask my wife, honey, where do you want to go out to eat? She says, I don't care. No, we know that's true. Not true, right? She does care. I just got to play the guessing game, figuring out on what it is she cares about. All of us care about something. And then she'll say, honey, uh, what do you want to eat for supper? I don't care. I really do care. I probably want some wings. I'm into wings now. Man, what one, I think that had something to do with manna. I really do. Wings. Man, that's just some good stuff. Those ones from Wingstop. What is that? That lemon pepper. Oh, that's good stuff. If I had my druthers, I'd eat wings every night. That's what I desire. We all have desires. And look, desires kept in check by the discernment of the will and word of God are okay in the right context. But if you're not careful, you'll get, listen, off on this habit of letting your desires overrule and override God's discernment. Now, if you really want to know whether you have the right perspective on your life tonight, you're going to figure out what the driving force is. Are you driven by your desires? Are you driven by discernment? When Galatians 5 tells us to walk in the spirit and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, you know what that's all about? Desires versus discernment. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? 
The lust of the flesh is the desires of the flesh. This flesh lusteth after all kinds of things it doesn't need. How do we keep that in check? The discernment of the Holy Spirit of God. As my flesh gets tugged to go this way and gets tugged to go that way, the Bible says, let the Spirit of God give you discernment to bring your desires in check. Oh, without the Holy Spirit of God, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? Folks, understand this tonight. One way you'll know for sure if your perspective is not what it needs to be is desires have replaced God's discernment. Do you know why 36.5% of adults in America are obese? Because desires override discernment. There are times I sit down at the table, Brother Michael. I'll be at some, you know, traveling somewhere and sit down. I love eating the local food. You know, if I go to Florida, we were in Florida last week, I don't want to go eat, you know, at Chick-fil-A, even though we did. Uh, I want to go eat somewhere that you can't eat in Mississippi. We go to these little boutique places, you know, the Spanish baker with the empanadas. My mom loves them. Oh, my goodness, they're wonderful. Those kind of places I want to go. And sometimes I will sit a plate of that food down in front of me, and I honestly feel guilty for asking God to bless it. I feel like God's saying, are you kidding? You want me to bless that? And I'll sit the other night, I had a lobster grilled cheese. I mean, it was lobster meat on a grilled cheese. Molly wanted to go to the grilled cheese gallery, so we went there. And we're sitting there, and then we went out, and we had macarons together, and we had custard together. And I can tell it in my waistband. You know what I can tell? Desires overruled discernment. If I had good discernment, it would have said, hey, why don't you go to the stir-fry place and get some broccoli stir-fry with a little bit of meat in there. Uh, instead, of, instead of eating the macarons, why don't you go get some nice chopped fruit or something like that? But no, watch, desire overruled discernment. I read another statistic. 36.5% of Americans are obese. 32.5% of Americans are overweight. That's over two-thirds of Americans are beyond the desired weight that they need to be. And it's simply because rather than have and live by discernment, we live by desire. Now, folks, we've got to be honest enough to admit that. I'm not talking about our weight. Thank God we don't have to come climb upon a scale in front of everybody. I'm talking about spiritual discernment. The same desires that drive us to eat things we don't need to eat is those same fleshly desires that drive us to have the wrong perspective on life. And if you're not careful, you'll get used to living by desire over discernment, and it's because your perspective is off. You're looking through your eyes rather than the eyes of God. The people here in Lamentations chapter 2 had surrounded themselves with prophets, listen close, who made them happy but not holy. I'll be honest with you. I would rather be surrounded by people that made me feel good than made me convicted. But doesn't the Bible say something about faithful or the wounds of a friend? You know, I don't consider a pat on the back a wound. I like that. It makes me feel good. I desire that. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. What does that mean? It means, listen, getting where I need to be and having the right perspective may not always feel good, but it makes me holier, even if it doesn't make me happier. The Bible says, yea, notice verse 14, thy prophets, thy prophets, they surrounded themselves not with God's prophets, their prophets. The Bible says they prophesied vain and foolish things for thee. Do you know we're looking back here a long, long time and yet that's the same battle we're fighting today. Say, so how do you know? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, what does the Bible say? For the time will come, future, now, when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The Bible says the time will come they'll not endure sound doctrine. What is enduring? Enduring is what you do when I preach. You're enduring it. We're enduring it. We're hanging on. We're just, if we can just get to 8.15 or, or 8.30, we're going to be all right. You're enduring it. Listen, you're receiving it. You're not being chased off. But the Bible says there's a time coming. They're not going to endure it. But the Bible says, verse number, verse number three, after their own lust. What is that? That's desire. Rather than hear the preaching of the word of God that brings conviction, say, I don't want to endure that no more. I'm not going to listen to that no more. I'm going to go get me somebody who's going to say what I like to hear. Watch this. Thy prophets for thee. Do you know social media, you can lay in your bed and you can shop for preachers. You sure can. You just scroll through there and you listen to enough of them. You'll find one. What does it say? For thee. You'll find one that says what you want to say the way you want it said, and you'll find that and you'll enjoy it. Why? Because the Bible says this time is coming where they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. One way you can know your perspective is off is when our desires are replacing our discernment. Now, I want you to remember several scriptural catastrophes. I want to give you two or three right quickly. And I want you to think about how their desire overruled their discernment. Let's go to the, one of the first ones. Let's go to Eve. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 6, and when the woman, what, saw, watch this, perspective. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, perspective is changing, and a tree to be desired, Interesting how this works together, isn't it? To make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now watch this. Did Eve have discernment? Yes, she did. Why? God himself told her, don't eat it. She had discernment. She knew what the Lord had said. We have the Holy Spirit and the word of God to give us discernment. She had God himself. Tell her, don't touch it, don't eat it. She had a proper perspective. And boy, she was doing good for a little while. I don't know how long it was, but she did good for a little while. But along comes Satan. He says, watch, why don't you look over there? He began to turn her perspective. And everything we know that happened after that was a direct result of the fact she had the wrong perspective. She got her eyes off of her discernment of what God had told her, and her eyes now are upon her desire. The Bible says, desire to make one wise, and the rest is history. Sin enters into the world. The troubles and trials we have today all can be traced back to this moment where desire replaced discernment. Let's go a few chapters further into Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. We know the story of where Lot is about to break company with his uncle. He's about to go his way, and he's about to go his way. The Bible says that Lot, what? The well-watered plains of Sodom. And Lot lifted up his eyes, there it is, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well-watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What happened to Lot? His perspective got altered. He looked up. Now, you think it was just nice wetlands that he was attracted to? Man, Lot says, I just love wetlands. You know how some folks love the beach, some folks love the mountains. Lot says, you know what, I just love swampy land. No, it wasn't that. He knew that his cattle would grow. He knew they'd get nice and fat. 
And fatter cattle means a fatter wallet, right? Who doesn't desire a fatter wallet? So all of a sudden, when Lot's perspective got skewed, his desire overruled his discernment. Folks, this is why it's important that we heed the discerning leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead us in the direction we should go. But as soon as you allow your desires to overrule that discernment, you're on your way to destruction. Eve proves it. Lot proves it. Anytime our wants replace God's will, it's a sure sign that your perspective is off. Now, folks, look, I want to tell you, this is where we get to. We won't admit that. We won't admit that. There are times my perspective gets off. You say, well, how do you know that? It's because I'm desiring something the Holy Spirit says I can't have. That's a red flag to all of us. I've got to get my perspective back in line. Probably the most notable, my wife and I were talking about this uh, coming home from Baton Rouge. Isaiah 14, we read about Satan, the greatest catastrophe in the history of the universe. Can I tell you what he said? The Bible says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Notice what was repeated in that verse five times. I will. I will. I will. Satan's desire of I will, that's what gets us in trouble. I will. My will. Man, I want that. He's sitting on that throne. I want to sit on that throne. I want to be like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. I will sit also on the throne. I will means I want. And all of a sudden, Satan had it all made. He had it made. He had it made. Then all of a sudden, his desire overrules his discernment, and it cost him everything. I want you to understand something tonight. Desires are strong. You know what cost David four of his children? It was his desire. He saw Bathsheba over on that roof. He looked at her, and she was good to look upon. He says, I want her. And all of a sudden, a man after God's own heart, that very same one who had killed Goliath, who had good perspective, all of a sudden his desire shifts his perspective and he throws it all away. Why? His desire overruled his discernment. Now, folks, if it could get David, listen, I'm not just talking to men tonight. If it could get David, it could get us. We've got to be aware that our perspective is not skewed by our, by our desires. I told Leslie, we were talking about that verse in Isaiah 14. I said, you think about this. The greatest catastrophe in the universe was led by the words, I will. I will. My will, I want. But you think about the greatest correction in the history of the universe was led by these words, thy will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Watch this. Don't you tell me that Christ was looking forward to the beating he was going through. He was sweating his drops of blood. He was agony. That's not something you look forward to. Oh, how that fleshly part would desire differently. He says, nevertheless, it's not my desire, it's your discernment, it's your will. And oh, we have a home in heaven today, why? Thank God, it wasn't his desire, it was discernment. Number one, how do we make sure we have the right perspective? Right perspective, uh, you, you find that out by what's leading your desire or your discernment. Uh, I want you to think about Moses real quick. 
Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says Moses chose to suffer affliction. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How did Moses do what he did? He let discernment overrule his desire. Tell me Moses' desire to suffer. He didn't desire to suffer. I mean, I believe Moses' desire, if you were to ask him what his flesh wanted, his flesh wanted to go live there in the palace. His flesh wanted to be ruler. His flesh wanted to have everything that was offered to him. But the Bible says he overrode his desire for the discernment of God's will for his life. And oh, I I guarantee you tonight, Moses is doing all right. Why? He chose discernment over his desire. That's number one. Number two, look at the rest of verse 14. The prophets, thy prophets, have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity to turn away thy captivity. Now, how do we know when our perspective has been perverted? Number one, desires replace discernment. But notice the Bible says they've not discovered thine iniquity. Now, that doesn't mean it was hidden. You know, we play hide-and-go-seek, and you don't get discovered. Uh, it means they couldn't find you. That's not what that means right there. It doesn't mean the priest couldn't see it. It means the priest wouldn't expose it, okay? It doesn't mean that their sin was hidden, and the priests are like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, it means the priest would not uncover it. That's what discover means. They would open it up and say, look, this is where you're sinning. The second way to recognize your perspective is this. Our sin gets disguised instead of discovered. If you want to know your perspective is off or on tonight, do you disguise your sin or do you discover it? Do you confess it and forsake it before God? I was getting ready to preach this afternoon. I thought about right after we got married, I got a call from Leslie. I was working in Columbia. She said, I need you to come home. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, something's wrong. My wife, you know, somebody's trying to kidnap my wife. And, uh, you know, I told my brother, got to go, got to go. Something's wrong. My wife's crying, you know. Raced home as quick as I could get there, Brother Jim. I mean, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I never got to punch anybody, but we're fixing to have it on right now. I come in the back door of the house, and there's my wife sitting on the dryer. It's by the back door, sitting on the dryer, crying. I'm thinking, what's the matter? Where's he at? He's hiding somewhere. She said, he's right there. And I'm looking around. All I see on the floor is like a bowl. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? It is? It's a bowl, honey. You know? She goes, no, it's a roach. <laughs> see, there's a roach under that bowl. And I'm like, that's it? Now, look, I, look I, I didn't have a problem coming home early to see my beautiful wife. I didn't have a problem with that. But I was a little bit, uh, little bit confused. You called me 20 miles from work. To come home and I, I'm here, I'm ready to fight, you know. I'm going back to, to when I was five, six years old living in Florida. I took Taekwondo. I'm thinking about all the moves that I had learned to get ready to, listen, Brother AJ, to put some knuckles on somebody. And she said, he's right there. I said, what is it? There's a roach under that bowl. I said, that's why you called me home? Yeah. Said, well, honey, just kill the roach. She goes, no, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the bowl. And I'm gonna, no, don't take the lid off. He's going to get out. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we going to do? Just walk around this bowl the rest of our life? Wait till he dies under there? Wait till he smothercates, you know? He's just under there, just dying. You know, we look under there Monday, Tuesday. Is he, is he legs up yet? No, he's still running laps around the bowl. I said, honey, I got to take the bowl off so I can kill the, kill the roach. And she's just sitting up on there. Oh, you go take it off. And she's just, ah. I'm like, honey, they don't bite. There is something creepy about roaches. I don't know what it is. Something creepy about roaches. We live out there in the, in the country, in the straw, and they're out there in that pine straw. And I said, honey, look, the only way I can kill that roach is to lift that bowl. Once I take the lid off, 
I got lightning fast cat-like reflexes. I'm going to boom. I'm going to step on him and kill him. And so she's just sitting up there cringing, and here's my moment. Guys, look, you get to kill a roach for your wife one day. Lifted up the lid. Boom. Killed him. I'm talking about he popped. You know that noise they make when they pop? I mean, there was this, anyway, he was dead. He was dead. Real dead. We'll put it that way, real dead. Watch this. In order to kill the roach, I had to take the lid off. I had to uncover it. We couldn't just coexist with the roach and hope that the roach goes away. You know what that is? And watch this. In order to get rid of the problem, I had to take the lid off and kill the roach. Now, here's what was happening. Because their perspective was off, watch this. The priest, the Bible says, they have not discovered thine iniquity. Now, here's our problem. We have the same problem they have. We would rather leave the roach under the bowl. Don't take the lid off. The roach will get out. No, no. The only way to kill the roach and get rid of the problem is let's expose the roach and let's kill the roach. That's why the Bible says, Proverbs 28, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You leave the bowl on the roach, watch this. The roach is still there. And the whole life you're going around living and walking around the roach when what you ought to do is pull the lid off the roach, confess it, forsake it, kill the roach, and he's gone. Now, folks, these priests, listen, they were scared to death. They didn't want to take the lid off. Why? Because taking the lid off roaches is not popular. You know, and and I love my wife. I think she was really just doing that to make me feel manly. You know, like when she asked me to open the mayonnaise, she don't need my help to open a mayonnaise. It just makes me feel manly. I'm not picking on my wife. But you know what? A lot of us are just like that. We'd rather sit idle in our life than to take the lid off and get rid of the problem. We don't want to take the lid off. We don't, we don't want people to think we got roaches in our life. You mean, you, you mean I have sin in my life? Yep. For all have sinned. We all got roaches. We do. Watch, the Bible says one way you know when your perspective is off is you're too afraid to take the lid off. Confess it, forsake it, find mercy. Now, these folks here had surrounded themselves with preachers who left the lid on the road to conceal their sin. And anytime you want to conceal your sin and, and, and do conceal your sin, it's a sign your perspective's off. You know what God's perspective is on sin? Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The reason God wants you to take the lid off that roach tonight and kill it down. Look, altars are great roach-killing places. This is where you come, you take the lid off the roach, and you stomp it really good. You kill it really good. That's what happens. And that's where you find mercy. You need mercy, you need grace, you need peace, you need power in your life, but you're not going to have any of those things until you do what they were not willing to do, discover it. If all you want to do is disguise your sin, and you dress up, and you get a new suit, you get some new cologne, and you talk right, and you act right, look, but you know there's a roach underneath a bowl in your life. And until you're willing to discover it rather than disguise it, your perspective is not going to be what it needs to be. Watch closely, Adam and Eve, Genesis 3.8. What did they do when they sinned? And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. When you're hiding something, it's a sure sign that you know things are not right. Else, why would you hide it? You know, I think all of us have seen a little baby. And maybe maybe we were that baby. 
have a dirty diaper, they come up missing, don't they? Where did they go? They're hiding over in a corner somewhere under a laundry basket. Why? They know they didn't mess up. It's, look, it's in our DNA from birth to hide what we know is wrong. But watch this. If we want a life where we find that mercy, we have to be willing to confess it and forsake it. Take the lid off and say, hey, I messed up. I messed up. Adam and Eve are hiding from God. That shows their perspectives off. And the longer you avoid God, that's why we get out of church. The Holy Spirit knows where the roaches are we're hiding. He does. Holy Spirit, look, preacher doesn't know. Look, my wife can hide stuff from me all the time. You hide stuff from me, it doesn't matter. You're not hiding that from the Holy Spirit. And we hide things in our life and we avoid the altar. That's why we don't go to altars anymore. Why? Because we know there's a roach under a bowl with our name on it. And we're not going down there to kill that roach. Why? Because we kind of got attached to the roach. We like keeping him there. We don't want other folks to think that we're sinners. Joshua chapter 7. What did Achan do when he disobeyed God? He stole the gold, the silver, and the garment. What did he do? Here's what he did. Joshua 7, 21, when I saw among the spoils of goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. What did he do? He saw them. He goes into battle. His perspective is we're going in and we're going to have victory. We're not going to do anything God says don't do. We're going to do what's right. His perspective was right. And here he comes riding in on his camel and all of a sudden, there's nobody in that tent over there. He sees something shiny. His perspective starts to change. He sees it. Gold, silver, and that garment. He says, oh, my goodness. He takes it. And what did the Bible say he did with it? The Bible says, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent. He hid them. When you hide from God and you try to hide things from God, it automatically shows us our perspective's wrong. It's been perverted. It's been polluted. Folks, look, there's not a soul in here tonight whose perspective doesn't get polluted and perverted from time to time simply because of the world that we're living in. It happens to all of us. But watch, the ones who find mercy are the ones who are willing to deal with it. They surround it. You say, well, you know what? I'm going to go to another church with a better-looking preacher with more hair. He's more eloquent. And look, I'm going to go somewhere where he helps me live my best life now. You go right ahead. And he'll let you live with roaches underneath bowls in your life. And you'll not have mercy. You'll not have peace or power in your life. And you'll be just like the folks in Lamentations on your way to the judgment of God that will come into your home. Why? Because somebody told you what you wanted to hear. It didn't help you kill the roaches that were in your life. The Bible says, they have not discovered or uncovered thine iniquity. But look at this next part. This is amazing. The Bible says to turn away thy captivity. Now, wait a minute. Did you notice what he just said? He says, because you got these preachers over here who are saying what you want to hear, the way you want to hear it, they're not telling you the truth, but the truth would do what? The truth would turn away thy captivity. If somebody would just tell you the truth, the truth makes you what? Free. But because they don't have the courage or the spiritual guts to tell you the truth about what's wrong in your life, watch this, you're on your way to captivity. Now, look, young people, you listen to me tonight. So glad to see our young people in the front row. Listen to me, young people. you got a mom and dad that points out roaches in your life. Y'all thank God for them. Boys, go give your mom a big kiss tonight. Give your dad a big kiss tonight. Why? Because they love you enough. They don't want you to go into captivity. And so they show you. They discover your iniquity. Why do they do that? Because they love you. And they're doing what? Turning away thy captivity. 
Folks, look, we're only hiding it to our own hurt. We're only hiding sins to our own hurt. By the way, we're not hiding them from the only one that matters. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God can see it all. We're not hiding anything from him, and he's the only one that matters. So folks, look, if we're hiding things from God tonight, it's a sure sign that our perspective has been polluted and it's been perverted by the world we're living in. We were only home from Florida the other day. And uh, you ever come down the interstate? I usually do about 75, 76 on the interstate, you know, try to go with the flow of traffic. And going down the interstate, they had those little cut-throughs, uh, those little dirt roads that connect, uh, you know, the eastbound, westbound lanes. And every once in a while, those state troopers will hide in there. Well, I got good eyes. I look down the road. If I look about a half a mile down the road and I see one of those cut-throughs, I usually start slowing down. And then as soon as I get even with it and see nothing else, boom, take off, you know, speed on up. I headed down the interstate the other day, riding down through there, and uh, all of a sudden, one snuck up on me, just snuck up on me. And right there on the left, he was sitting in the edge of the woods, and immediately, ooh, I hit my brakes. <laughs> sure sign, <laughs> guy just slides, like, you know, sliding down the interstate. <laughs> Hi. Sure sign, guilty, guilty. But then, but then, we were driving in St. Augustine, and uh, the, the, the speed limit was about 35 miles an hour. It's winding, winding roads. So I was taking my time riding through the town, and we pass a, a, a trooper in an SUV, and I panicked, but then I looked down, and I saw I was one mile under the limit. Do you know what I did? I waved at him. <laughs> I just smiled. Have a nice day. Everything's okay. Why? I was right. I was right. I wasn't afraid. There's no need to hide. No need to hit my brakes. I was like, look, not speeding. I felt great. Why? I knew I was right. There was no need to slam on the brakes. I wasn't hiding anything. Now, folks, look, hiding from God is like hitting your brakes on a trooper. You're automatically admitting by hiding that you're not right. So rather than try to hide someone who can see right through you, why not take the lid off, confess it, forsake it, and rather than disguise our sin, let's discover it before God. What did Jonah do? He knew the will of God. Rather than go with discernment, he went with desire and ran from God. It's amazing to me, God knows, and you can't outrun him. Imagine that picture. We sing the song as kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. And we're going to run from him. So we run to the backside. And God goes, whoo. Now look, we're laughing, but that's what we do. He sees us. The eyes of the Lord in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Hey, why, listen, why do we disguise rather than discover? God knows. It's amazing to me. You know, oftentimes we as Christians get ridiculed for believing in God. And people get so mad. They get so riled up that we believe in God. And I heard someone say this years and years ago, and it made perfect sense. If he doesn't exist, why does he bother him so much? Why do they ban God in schools if he doesn't exist? I've never gone to a public school and they had a sign on the door, leprechauns not allowed. Think about it. Never went to a school or, or, a, or a, a courthouse that had a sign on the door, leave unicorns parked out front. Why? Because they don't exist. You know why they get so riled up? You know why they get so defensive? Because they know it's real. They know it's real. And it's the same reason we run from God. We know we're wrong. The Bible says that hiding the truth 
only delayed their deliverance to turn away their captivity. Why? Their perspective was wrong. So number two, our sin gets disguised instead of getting discovered. Are you hiding something from God? That's a sure sign tonight. Our perspective has been polluted. So finally, the last part of this verse says, but have seen for thee faults, burdens, and causes of banishment. Here's what's happening. These prophets are denying the truth about what's coming. Jeremiah is over there preaching and delivering truth, and they're denying truth. Jeremiah says, God says, repent, get right with God, and these other false prophets are giving false burdens and causes of banishment. Number three, finally tonight, the third way to know your perspective is wrong, truth is denied instead of delivered. Truth is denied instead of delivered. You know, no one tonight enjoys hearing unflattering truths about ourselves, do we? Nobody enjoys that. I'll give you an example for the sake of illustration. One of the places we ate at in Florida is called Cousteau's Waffles and Milkshakes. Only in America. Cousteau's Waffles and Milkshakes. I had the waffles for breakfast. I have a picture I'll show you just to make you hungry. There was my waffle. I had the cream brulee with strawberries, and Leslie had something with chocolate on it or bananas. And we're sitting at this little bistro table. You can get the next picture, guys. We're sitting at this little bistro table in this little alleyway. There's Leslie and Miley there in the picture. And if you notice, those chairs are red. I sat on one of those chairs, and I ate my waffle. I ate all of it, and I enjoyed it. We're walking down St. George Street, and Leslie all of a sudden says, oh, Your pants are really red. The first thing I said to her was, No, they're not. And the next thing I said to her was, Really? Don't we do that? No, it's not, really. And so she says, let me get a picture. And I, no, don't get a picture. <laughs> Evidently, they were freshly painted and did not put a sign on them that says freshly painted. And I'm walking around with those chairs, part of those chairs, on my backside. And I'm trying to cover it up, walking down there, you know. I thought, you know, I'm on vacation. Untuck my shirt. Let's just be relaxed and slobbish, you know. Just take it easy. But I didn't want to believe her. I says, no, it's not. And I'm looking around, and I'm chasing it. Finally, she just took a selfie, and boom, there it was. I think it still is, too. It's still there. I don't think we can get it out. Man, I didn't like hearing that. You got something all over your pants. I wanted to deny it, but the truth of the fact, the picture didn't lie. It was there. Just last night, we're sitting on the couch with a Nate. Man, he drives by my house every once in a while. But the Nate's one of those good drive-by guys. He drives by my house and leaves food on my porch. Oreos and drinks. Boy, it was good. Open up that box of double-stuffed Oreos. No, he's a man of God, double-stuffed. Sitting there eating on the couch, watching a basketball game. Leslie goes, smile at me. I mean, I know my smile makes her melt, but I'm thinking, you know, what? She goes, no, smile at me, and she has her camera out. I'm thinking, I said, mm -mm, mm -mm. She goes, Miley, look at Dad. Smile. I'm like, well, now that you got her looking, no, I'm definitely not going to smile. So I took my tongue. Sure enough, Oreo teeth. We've all had it. Let's admit it. It's a real thing, Oreo teeth. I felt it all over my teeth. I felt, so I'm sitting, and I would not open my mouth until my teeth were finally clean, and she didn't get a picture, and I'm not being blackmailed on Facebook by it as of yet. First thing I did was, boy, I closed my mouth. I'm not showing you my teeth denying the truth of what was there. This is what they were doing. The Bible says, but have seen for the false burdens 
and causes of banishment. Jeremiah's prophecy was bad news. Nobody wanted to hear that. Hey, you got Oreos on your teeth. Hey, you got paint on your pants. Uh-uh, uh-uh. And so what they did was they found prophets who would give them false burdens and causes of banishment. You know what they were saying? It's not really that bad. Everything's okay. Everything's going to get better. That's why the second part of 2 Timothy 4, 4, the Bible says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They're turning their, their mind and their heart and their perspective away from truth unto fables. Everything's okay. Do you know how much I tried to deny the fact there was red paint all over my pants? Do you know what? It didn't take the paint off my pants. Even though I would deny the truth of what had been shown to me, there's nothing that I could say to make that paint get off my pants. It was still there. All I needed to do was accept it. But the simple fact tonight that we as God's people, I'm going to close quickly, stick with me. We as God's people would rather deny the truth than discover it. We'd rather deny it. No, no, there's nothing wrong. Matter of fact, I printed off some some, uh, research polls I want to read for you right quick. This is a 2020 Pew research poll on same-sex marriage or marriage equality in the United States. 57% of Catholics strongly favor it. 28% of evangelical Protestants, I guess that's what they call us, strongly favor it. 77% of Jews strongly favor it. 57% of mainline Protestants strongly favor it. Now these are quote-unquote, by the way, if you want to know the lowest, it was 14% among Jehovah's Witnesses. How could any Christian group be in favor and support marriage equality? Well, any Christian that reads their Bible. I don't see how that happened. Can I tell you how it happens? You live in a world that pollutes your perspective. We're in Pride Month right now, so they tell me. I see it everywhere. Pride Month, Pride Month, Pride Month. Every time I see the rainbow, I'm reminded of the promises of God. It was his first, amen? Why do so many Christians agree with something that God calls an abomination? It's because their perspective has been skewed. After a while, you live in this world, and you don't like hearing the negative, and you don't want to be ostracized from this group, and you want to be accepted by this group. You want people to say what you like to hear. You don't want sin to be discovered. And so, watch this. You allow your perspective to get skewed. Isn't that what happened to Lot in 2 Peter 2? What happened to Lot? The Bible says Lot was a just man. A just man. He was right. The Bible says, and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing. The Bible says it vexed his righteous soul. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're out of the reach of the world's perspective. That's why the Bible says be sober and be vigilant. You better, listen, mom and dad, you better keep your guard up. Why? Because the world is trying to reach through the windows of your home, through the portals of your television, through the portals of that cell phone, and they're trying to skew the perspective of your children that maybe in 10 years, it'll be 90% of Christians are accepting of same-sex marriage. Why? Because we didn't keep our guard up to make sure their perspective wasn't skewed. Why? Because we'd rather them fit in. That's the truth. You better keep your guard up or else you'll be like Lot. They'll be vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Second research poll I read today, this one was startling. It was on abortion. 
2020 Pew Research poll analysis finds that just 4% of sermons shared on U.S. websites and Facebook, social media, mentioned abortion. Only 4%. They, they went through and they got sermons off of Facebook, 50,000 of them. And only 4% ever mentioned abortion once. That's coming out of the pulpit. How does this happen? The world's perspective has even crept its way into the pulpit to where now we only say things that are pleasing to bring people into his pews. Now, folks, understand this tonight. When we get to the place where truth is denied instead of delivered, it's a sure sign that our perspective's off. You find yourself starting to embrace falsehoods. What did it say? False burdens and causes of banishment. You start embracing those falsehoods of the world. Your perspective's being skewed. From time to time, you have to get realigned back into God's perspective, get our affection set back on things above, not on things below. Why? Because none of this is going with us. So tonight, here's the question. How's your perspective? How are you led? Number one, are you led by desires or discernment? What leads you? The decisions you make for your home, dad, mom, what makes those decisions? Is it the desires of your flesh for your children or is it the discernment from the will and word of God? Number two, do you discover sin or uncover sin or you disguise it? Are you hiding something tonight? Can I be the first to fess up? There are times I'm hiding things from God. I'm not right. I don't want to hear about it. I try to hide it from God. If you're hiding something from God tonight, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Can I ask you, do you have any roaches under some bowls? Do you have something in your life you know you need to kill tonight? All of us do at one point or another. Could I advise you, get your perspective back where it needs to be by discovering, not disguising your sin. And then finally, is truth denied or delivered? Are you the people like Stephen preached to? The Bible says that they stopped their ears. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. That's why you don't come to church. That's why we don't tune in the live stream. Don't want to hear it. We are disguising truth. We don't want to discover. We don't want to hear it. We discard it and we deny it. That's a sure sign the world's perspective has made it into our hearts and our homes. Here's the good news. The Bible says if we cover it, we're not going to prosper. That's the truth. But the Bible also says if we confess it and forsake it, you know what we find? Mercy. They could have had mercy. They could have had it. God could have withheld, that's what mercy is. He could have withheld his judgment from them. They could have had mercy, but no, they refused to confess it and forsake it. All because the perspective of the world they were living in had polluted the discernment of God in their life. Our heads are bowed.